The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, and today's guest has really inspired me to be a more mindful gardener. Dale Strickler is an agronomist for Green Cover Seed. He's also a Kansas rancher and author of the book, The Drought Drought Resilient Farm. The Drought Resilient Farm is a compilation of techniques for increasing the availability of soil to capture more rainfall, hold more moisture, and increase the ability of plants to extract more moisture from the soil, all important in the battle to combat the worst impacts of climate change. Growing up on a diversified farm near Colony, Kansas, and then attending attending Kansas State University, he also has his own cattle operation near Jamestown, Kansas, where he puts into practice his theories about creating better soil. He planted his first cover crop in 1988 and has been experimenting with them ever since with increasingly impressive results. And listeners, I know that a second ago I basically compared my gardening techniques to major agricultural production, but really... It's all about good dirt. So without further ado, listeners, Dale Strickler. Welcome back, listeners. As I promised, our first guest to talk about regenerative regenerative agriculture, say that three times really fast. Dale, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So um, as I mentioned to our listeners earlier, this to me... Um, when you first sent an email to our producer, actually, in the show, Price, mm-hmm. um, giving your background, talking about how you um, lean conservative and um, also are engaged in regenerative agriculture, I thought, well, this feels on paper like the solution. So why don't you take a moment to just explain to our listeners what this concept is? Okay. Well, um, I, I grew up on a farm and got a, a bachelor's, master's degree in agriculture, Kansas State University. And like a lot of uh, rural people, farm people, I I grew up conservative, have always uh, considered myself conservative, um, uh, particularly a fiscal conservative. Became aware of, of climate change, you know, and the potential for climate change 30 some years ago. Um, in graduate school, um, uh, one of the uh, I worked as a research assistant when I was uh, getting my master's, and one of the projects we worked on was the effects of carbon dioxide enrichment on prairie vegetation, and uh, had some interesting results out of that. So, so I've been dabbling in the climate change thing for a long period of time. Um, one of my interests, in fact, one of the reasons I majored in agriculture in the first place was I, I, I lived, we grew up in an area of abundant rainfall, but very poor soil. Mm-hmm. And I just, it always bothered me that we, we just weren't making use of the rainfall we received. And mm-hmm. uh, we went from flood to drought and drought to flood and back and forth and, and not much time in between. I thought, wow, if I could just fix this soil. Uh, 
our family would have it made. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of began, began this lifelong pursuit of knowledge and how to, how to fix soil and had this climate change thing. Of course, the climate change is caused by, uh, at least partially, if by excess carbon dioxide in the air. Right. And so we've got too much carbon in the air. And poor quality soil is caused by a deficiency of carbon in the soil. And so it's two symptoms of the same problem. So is that because when you till the soil, you're releasing the carbon? Yeah, what what there are bacteria that live off that Mm -hmm. carbon in the soil. They use Mm -hmm. it as a food source. Mm -hmm. And when you till the soil, it's kind of like when you, uh, you know, put something in a a food processor. When you Mm -hmm. grind it up fine, you expose a lot of surface area. You turn it into smaller particles, and that allows those microbes access to that organic matter all at once and I'll, I'll use soil carbon and soil organic matter interchangeably mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. the soil organic matter is about 50 percent carbon mm-hmm, okay and then you've got hydrogen and oxygen and some nitrogen phosphorus sulfur etc but about 50 percent of soil organic matter is carbon Mm-hmm. Taking everything that you just said and applying it just to my own backyard for a second, because I am an avid gardener. Okay. I live in the mid-Atlantic where we have very clayey soil. Yes. But I, what I've noticed, my yard is really big and it was riddled with invasive species. And so I've just sort of plot by plot been trying to take it back. And mm-hmm. one thing that I've noticed is that some of the areas where I planted clover a few years ago, I just spread some clover seeds. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was like, oh, this I'm, it's a pandemic. I'm learning new things. I'll try that. And one thing I'm noticing is that that area, now that I'm ready to plant it, the soil is much better. It doesn't have that heavy clay can, uh, quality that it had before. So is that sort of a small time example of what you were just saying? Yes. Yes, it is. And um, we're just becoming uh, really aware of the processes. Leonardo da Vinci actually mm-hmm. said, we know more about the movement of celestial bodies than we do about the soil underfoot. And that's still true, you know, here hundreds of years later. Um, we can tell you more about the surface of Mars and the moon than we can about the processes that go on underneath our own feet. Mm-hmm. So we're really just starting to get a grasp on how to create soil organic matter right and so uh, the two processes that deplete soil carbon one is tillage and the other is fallow fallow is simply letting land lie bare without growing anything and you know you can see a, a dirt road that that grows nothing basically just turns very hard and dusty mm-hmm. powdery and, yeah. and there's there's no life in it because literally there's no life in it <laughs> and it's deprived of its food source uh, which is green growing plants and so the idea behind regenerative agriculture is to restore carbon back to soil and, and the so way it does that, that is it pulls co2 out of the atmosphere and do you do that through planting do you do that through you know when you first set uh kind of spell it out for us that mm-hmm. you have 
excess carbon because of climate change, not enough carbon in soil. And so woo, it's sort of like the um, old time peanut butter cup um, ads on TV, right? Like (laughs) you put your peanut butter in my chocolate, your chocolate's my peanut butter. I was like, just thinking that, right? Like we need to bring these things together. That tastes great together. together. (laughs) So is there, is it just as simple as planting in a different way combined with no tillage farming or are you really? Okay. Okay. I I mean, that, that sounds incredibly simplistic and, and really it, 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 it's a very simple concept. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess if I were to give a recipe for how you, the, the steps in regenerative agriculture, um, let's start with the current, you know, mm-hmm. currently uh, corn, soybeans are the big crops in the United States. Mm-hmm. They each grow, they each photosynthesize for about four months in the summer. Mm-hmm. Out of a 12 month year, that leaves eight months on that soil with no photosynthesis. Wow. So they just, if you are, if you are a farmer or let's, I feel like the word farmer sounds quaint, right? Oftentimes we're talking about big kind of conglomerate companies growing corn, growing soybeans, four months of the year, they're growing their crop, but they aren't rotating them out or putting other things in that soil the other eight months. Yeah. The other eight months, it's hard to grow a cash crop in Mm -hmm. that eight month period Mm -hmm. because it's largely in the winter time. And it has to be planted after the harvest. But you can grow cover crops. And Mm -hmm. and cover crops are just, that's a term for a a plant grown in between your your grain crops that is not intended for harvest. It's planted solely for the purpose of soil improvement. Well, the other thing that I was thinking about when you were um, initially describing this phenomenon was the dust bowl. Yes. Right. In the U.S. So while while that was, you know, several hundred years after our initial um, settlement, looking for more uh, rich lands that hadn't uh-huh. been um, over overgrown or overcropped or over. I don't know what the right term is, but um, that, the, the Dust Bowl to me is a prime example. Right. They were just doing too much and then exacerbated by severe dou- droughts and soil erosion kind of just. The books I've read, it just sounds like the worst thing in the world that to have experienced. Just that um, it, it was it, coming if, in. Yeah. If you've never seen the Ken Burns documentary, uh, the Dust Bowl, it it is incredibly powerful, incredibly moving, and and my my grandfather was a Dust Bowl survivor. He tells mm-hmm. most incredible stories of his childhood, and uh, it it really. You know, we had an entire generation here on the plains that was was scarred by the Dust Bowl and then World War II. Mm -hmm. And and that's it's left a legacy and and not not only in the plains, but also in in California, where a lot of the Mm -hmm. migrants went to Mm -hmm. left their stamp on California. The cover crops can can basically use that winter sunshine. Mm -hmm to photosynthesize and put carbon into the soil and and increase the soil carbon and reduce soil erosion and they improve water infiltration and you know there's the problem with there's two problems caused by lack of water infiltration you know one is flooding and the other is drought yeah and floods or droughts are really two symptoms of the same problem lack of 
infiltration of the raindrop where it falls. Floods are a, are really the biggest natural disaster. Most expensive natural disasters are floods. Well, these are also two pretty significant impacts of climate change. So we're going to see more droughts. We're going to see more floods, depending on where you are in the world. We now continue on the Eco Rights Speaks podcast. Visit republicen.org online to sign up and stand with us. So I'm wondering now, and maybe you don't know the answer to this question about what percentage of U.S. farmland does regenerative agriculture? Maybe 5%, 5 to 10%. So why is that number so low? Is this a cost issue? Is it um, not having enough um, workers to do what needs to be done? Is Is it just that we need, I mean, to me, this doesn't sound like this isn't a fancy new technology, right? This no, is no. just common sense. So why aren't we doing more of it? I, you know, every time I sit in an airplane seat and explain regenerative agriculture to the person next to me, they ask the same exact question. said, this makes so much sense. Why isn't everybody doing it? Human nature is, is, is a funny thing. Um, we, we simply... Uh, even when there is overwhelming evidence uh, dictating our course of action, there's resistance to it. Uh, the, the barriers to regenerative agriculture are not uh, agronomic. You know, mm-hmm. it's nothing about plants or soils, or, and they're really not financial either. Well, it, it could be somewhat financial. It, it does cost money to plant cover crops. They pay for themselves. Well, I, mean, I was just going to say, don't you get the return on investment of having that better soil, which I presume means you're going to grow your cash crop is going to be is going to thrive, potentially thrive yes. more. Yeah, typically it does, uh, but not not necessarily short term. It, mm-hmm. It's more of a long term benefit. It's mm-hmm. it's definite good return on investment. But if you're living hand to mouth, you may not right. want to invest in something that's going to have a three to five year payoff right. when you're, you know, just, you know, you're having to borrow money in order to do yeah. this. There are some, some financial constraints, but uh, the, the economics, at least long-term are, are really crystal clear on this process. And then the other means of increasing soil carbon. Now one, one is cover crops and, and that's, uh, and I guess to give you to back up a little bit here, uh, just give you an idea of the potential uh, of this process. Uh, let's talk a global scale. Uh, right now, there's about 850 billion tons of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. About 250 of that, or about 240, I believe, somewhere in that neighborhood, has been put there since the Industrial Revolution began about 200 years ago. Right. A 1% increase in soil carbon is, is 10 tons of carbon, in the, just in the top six inches of soil. That takes, to make that amount of soil carbon, takes 18 tons of carbon dioxide. Wow. So that's per acre. Worldwide, there's about 4 billion acres of cropland and about 16 billion acres of pasture. 
to or, or ag, total agricultural land about 20 billion acres. You take that 20 billion times 18 tons, that's to increase soil organic matter, just one percentage point. That's 360 billion tons. I mean, I'm not that's, great at math, but that's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> that's 50% greater than what yeah. we put in the atmosphere with all the burning yeah. of fossil fuels in world history combined. And the, the beauty of this is that when we do this, not only are we, you know, basically completely stopping climate change, CO2 induced climate change in its tracks, we're making a better world. We're making a world where we have fewer floods. We're making a world where we have more abundant food, fewer droughts. And not only that, when you put carbon in the soil and you have an active soil microbiology, all those microbial byproducts are nutrients for that plant. And they create phytochemicals that nourish us and animals when it's consumed. We make healthier food. So this, this is... This is such an exciting concept to me because if we look at climate change, a lot of people consider climate change the greatest challenge that humanity's ever faced. And, and mm -hmm. quite possibly it is. Uh, we can solve that while we simultaneously solve the biggest problems that humanity has faced in the past. Yeah. Starvation, famine, warfare. You know, yeah. we fight wars over, over resources. limited resources yep, for sure you know no what has there ever been a war fought over oxygen right right, you know, right. we need oxygen right <laughs> uh -huh. we absolutely need oxygen so it's a necessity but it's abundant there's no need to fight over it we fight over the ability to produce food however which is land for those listeners who want to know more about what you do and how they can get involved or even um, share, spread the word with anyone they know who is in agriculture, how can they find you? We, uh, well, I, I work for a seed company. We mm -hmm. do sell cover crops, full disclosure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and that's, uh, I guess you could interpret that as a conflict of interest, but I, I no, when you're doing what you believe in, there's no conflict. <laughs> that, that's exactly my feelings. I I don't I don't preach about cover crops because I work for a cover crop company. Right. I sell cover crops because I believe in cover crops. I yeah. believe in what they do. Okay. But I should mention a little bit about regenerative grazing. Yeah, tell me, tell us about it. Best way, the absolute best way to sequester soil carbon is not planting forests it's planting grasslands mm -hmm. and so and managing grasslands correctly and there's been some research and and i've done it on my own farm i planted uh, i had a, i bought an irrigated corn soybean farm and um i planted it to pasture and uh irrigated pasture super productive and i started using uh there are a lot of names for it. Some people call it holistic management or uh, adaptive multi-paddock grazing, AMP grazing uh, as an acronym. Uh, but basically moving the cattle every day to a fresh patch and letting where they've grazed rest and recover and grazing it down to a, a target height 
you don't take it down to the ground. You leave, mm -hmm. leave some stubble so that photosynthesis continues uninterrupted. That's mm -hmm. really the key. You're managing the capture of sunlight. And when you do that, when, when you force the animals, uh, force sounds almost inhumane, <laughs> but when you manage the animals mm -hmm. so that they always are eating the very top of the plant, which is the most nutritious, mm -hmm. and, and keep them moving so that the grass is always adequately rested, mm -hmm. uh, some magical things occur. Now, when I, now you can do that on existing pastures, native grasslands, and you can plant cropland back to grass. And that was my experience. I bought cropland, planted it back to grass, which is the opposite of what's happened for the last 8,000 years. You know, for 8,000 years, we've been plowing up grasslands, grow crops. So I reversed that direction. My soil organic matter, remember I said to completely reverse climate change, we needed a 1% increase? Yes. A one percentage point increase. I started at 1.9. In 2006, I was at 1.9% organic matter. Last summer, I sampled that ground, 8.7. Wow. That's a seven-point increase. Wow. Uh, this all makes so much sense to me, and and I hope that through having you on the show today that we're able to um, educate more folks about the, these practices. And, you know, I always enjoy an episode where I feel like I really walked away learning, having learned something. And that definitely is true today. And I just thank you for everything you've, you're doing and for pitching yourself for the show. Again, like I love well, it when I hear people who have a story to tell. So, well, uh, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, I, I have, like I said, I've, I've been a lifelong conservative because I, you know, I'm, I'm very much a fiscal conservative. Uh, we're also looking at, you know, a much, much bigger problem than the pandemic. Yeah. And I think it, it really behooves us to pay attention mm -hmm. uh, to climate. And I've, I've always, you know, I grew up in the woods and the, the prairies, ponds running barefoot and the environment's always been extremely important to me. Yeah. And so uh, the better quality environment we have, the, the better chances, not only of my own personal happiness, but uh, our chances of survival. Yeah. And future generations. 8,000 years yeah. trying to dominate and subdue and mm -hmm. eliminate nature. And maybe it's time we reverse that trend and started rebuilding nature. The solution is in nature. Bryce, how was your vacay? Fake vacation. Was it vacation when you worked? Right. It was work from a different location. <laughs> yes. It was a, not quite a staycation. Stayed home and worked. So there, wow. was a little there was a little vacating in the evening and in the morning and at lunchtime. But yes, it was nice. It was a nice change of scenery to go, uh, to go elsewhere than the walls of our house. Right. You got to be at the beach. That looked awesome. Yes, it was nice. It was just nice to get away and to, uh, to have a little family time while they vacated, uh, vacated the premises while I worked and they kept it quiet during Amazing. the day. Amazing. Yes. The dream. You were living the dream price. It was, it was very, very nice. Well, I'm happy to have you back. And, um, you know, here we are cruising to the end of season four. I cannot believe we're almost at the end of our season. 
We are. We will take a little bit of a break and then we will resume season five to close out the year. So uh, after 4th of July, sometime in late July, we'll fire up again uh, with the uh, episodes every Tuesday. But we've got more to do between now and the end of this season. Appreciate Dale Strickler joining this week. And before we go ahead, I would like you to tease next week's guest Jules, because i think sure. you're gonna i think you're excited because you showed me the book copy earlier yeah well i'm gonna show it again and listeners sorry you can't see it it is a beautiful cover anyway we will be talking to my old dear friend heather white she is the author of one green thing discover your hidden power to help save the planet so obviously encourage listeners who feel so inclined to grab a copy of her book from your bookstore the library wherever um, and give it a little read before um, we speak to her. In this book, she talks about finding your way based on your skill set and your interests that you can make a difference. And, you know, sometimes we do get overwhelmed. There's climate anxiety. And so her book is the, um, the cure for that, for how to do meaningful things that um, tap into what you can do, because we can't all do it all, right? That's not possible. Um, but I've known Heather for more than 20 years, and it's just been really fun to watch her on her book tour. She's been all over promoting this book, and so excited to have her on the show, Price. Well, as I mentioned uh, many times through the course of this podcast, if you've got somebody that you would like to hear as a guest, please let us know. Drop Chelsea Henderson a line. We are compiling a list, getting ready for season five right now. So we are all ears as we are all the time. If you've got somebody in mind, a topic, person, whatever it is, fire away. We want to hear yeah. from you. For we always sure. want to hear from our listeners. Especially if you work in sustainability and professional sports, that's an angle we really want to tap into. And we have a couple different prospects to mind, but obviously it works best when our listeners have a direct connection. So if you know someone in that field, give us a holler. Um, Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A at republicen.org is my email. Always willing and open to hearing your feedback, hearing your requests. All right. Uh, some new members signing up. A shout out to David R. in Florida, Maya P. in North Carolina, Jamie S. in the District of Columbia, David D. in Oregon, and Annika C., in Indiana, and that Woo-hoo, leads me Indiana. to a perfect segue, Indiana, as we are launching, the. this is the first uh, announcement of it, so to speak, we've announced it online, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, republican.org, uh, on Facebook, and get more information, but we're launching a series of happy hours this summer, uh, June, July, and August, we're going to do one each month throughout the state of Indiana, co-sponsored and partnering with our good friends, Casey Crane and the Indiana uh, Conservative Alliance for Energy. And our first happy hour coming up is, ironically, it's going to be next week, June the 15th, Wednesday, June 15th in Carmel, Indiana. And our special guest there will be Mayor Brainerd, somebody that Chelsea has interviewed before. It's going to be at the Upland uh, Carmel Tap House. Go to Eventbrite, RSVP there, and your first beer, your first pint is on Republican.org. So go and sign up. You can go to our Facebook page to get more information. Eventbrite is right there. It's All the information you need is on our Facebook page. I'll get all the info to Chelsea. We'll get her to do a blog post on Republican.org. For sure. You will be able to find all the information about it right there. But again, if you sign up, 
an RSVP in advance, We're taking RSVPs 24 hours in advance, uh, all the way up until 24 hours in advance, that is, your first pint will be on the house on us at the uh, Carmel or Upland Carmel Tap House. And like, how cool is it that Indiana has some really amazing eco-riders as Price mentioned, Mayor Brainerd, past guest of the show, and so is Casey Crane um, just a few weeks ago, actually, or a few episodes ago. So um, definitely, if you are in Indiana, go have a beer, listen to Mayor Brainerd, meet Casey. They're amazing. Um, And you could always, if you're not in Indiana, Go back and listen to those episodes. You'll get a taste, a flavor of how awesome they are. That's right. Our July happy hour, that one will be actually in West Lafayette. That's going to be Wednesday, July the 20th. And our final happy hour, that will be in August. And that'll be Wednesday, August the 10th. They're all Wednesdays. Uh, The last one will be August the 10th in South Bend, Indiana. So we start in Carmel next Wednesday, June 15th, 530 to 7. Then we go to West Lafayette, uh, the 20th of July, and then we finish up our Hoosier Happy Hour series this summer in August on Wednesday, October the 10th in South Bend. So please, we would love to have you come out, uh, all our eco writers in the, especially the greater Indianapolis area to start with. Love to meet you. Bob will be there. Casey will be there. Her entire team, uh, the Indiana Conservative Alliance for Energy, and a lot of other young conservatives uh, to have a little bit of fellowship and uh, enjoy some time with special guest Mayor Brainerd from right there in Carmel, Chelsea. It sounds so fun. I wish I could be there. So listeners, um, let me live vicariously through you. If you do go, um, you know, tweet about it, Instagram about it, whatever your preferred social media is so that I can see all the fun you're having. That's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> all right. Uh, we've got some events coming up later this year. We've got some big things. We're planning uh, a couple of trips, uh, obviously Indiana, which I just mentioned, Bob will be at all those happy hours, but also um, Utah and Idaho. If you are a listener in those two states, let me hear from you. I would love to hear from you if you've got uh, an idea for an event, a group, uh, somebody that especially that an eco-right type group that you think Bob should should talk to, should connect with, let me know, price at republican.org. Um, I would love to talk to you and just figure out if we can make something work, um, even if it's just something very informal like uh, you know a coffee one morning. So I can get you more information on that, but Utah, Idaho, in Eastern Washington, we are coming to you this summer. So drop me a line. Chelsea, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week. Till next week, Price. I will not be at the beach, but I yeah. will be home. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Download, listen, subscribe. As always, Apple Podcasts. You can go to our review. website. Republic- <laughs> yes, write a review. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, you can go to our website, republican.org forward slash podcast, Spotify, many different ways to listen, including wherever it is you get your podcasts every week. Until then, we'll see you next week. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at republicen.org. Make sure to visit republicen.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.